Hello there. This is Cassia. And this is Brian. Welcome to The Ebon Hawk, a podcast discussing Star Wars news and Knights of the Old Republic. Spoiler alert for Knights of the Old Republic series and the Star Wars films, TV shows, and all other media. This is where the fun begins. So this is Cassia and Brian from the future. Yeah, uh, we are just recording a little, a little anendum uh, to uh, today's episode before we dive into the depths of Manon, the watery mm-hmm. depths, I should say. Because like when we were recording our last episode, um, we we're kind of like, oh, we kind of forgot to mention what we would call a second film in, like, a proposed KOTOR trilogy. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe this will be a little preview to a future episode uh, or past. I forget which episodes come out in what order, but we're having <laughs> yeah. fun, and it'll make sense in the context of what's being released. Um, That's so right. So question for you, Brian, is what... <laughs> what would you call a second film in a KOTOR trilogy? Yeah, so so it's tricky, right? Because you want to have a name that's kind of bold and fits in with the theme of the story. Um, I think I like calling the Knights of the Old Republic the the films in our trilogy. I like I like calling them acts as opposed to like episode. So we had like the Skywalker saga was all episodes. Uh, so I think something like Acts is good. I like how they do the chapters in The Mandalorian. Um, so just something that's that's a little bit different, kind of differentiates. Acts feels like an older uh, kind of, you know, vernacular for how to describe something. Uh, so I want something that, you know, kind yeah. of kind of captures, you know, what's really going on in the second film. And, you know, kind of things are starting to go bad and we're starting to realize a little bit more about our... Uh, characters in this film so I think something that's kind of dark and kind of ominous sounding is good so something like Knights of the Old Republic uh, act two the revelation revelations I think something like that sounds really good Um, what about you Cassia do you have anything uh, really good in mind um I think it's really good, but maybe someone's going to be like, uh, no, that's a stupid idea and like you need to stop. <laughs> but I was kind of thinking uh, kind of like combining like the Star Forge with like like the Bond and kind of like Destiny and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say Knights of the Old Republic Act 2 Across the Stars. Okay. Because I'm like, Colin Trevorrow was going to call episode nine, Duel of the Fates. So I'm like, I can have this, you know? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. I feel like some studio executive would be like, no, it's going to be called Battle of the Unredeemed. And it's like, (laughs) no, but I want this nice poetic title, you know? And it's like, no, it's not going to happen. But that's what I would want. And perhaps looking forward to the future i would call act 3 the star forge mm-hmm. maybe i'll change my mind but then i was like what 
what should I call Act One, even though I feel like I called it the mysterious mm-hmm. stranger. No, no executive would ever let anyone call a Star Wars film the mysterious stranger, but I'm like, George Lucas would have. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, maybe that ruins my star theme, so maybe I need to call it A Star mm. is Born or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, I, I like kind of playing yeah. off of like the same like type of of wording. So you have like like Awakening and Revelation and... Uh, you know stuff stuff like that like keeping it kind of simple and poignant but yeah I like across the stars that's a that's a good little nod and uh, it certainly fits in with the theme of kind of this uh, you know original uh, Star Wars duo we have here with Bastila and Revan so yeah I'm in for that yeah so we'll see well I mean this I was going to say, we'll see what it ends up being called, but I'm like, oh yeah, it's, it's not happening because it's just in our <laughs> heads and this podcast. That's right. Um, <laughs> but one thing I forgot to mention while we were recording, uh, like our overview of Act 2 of Knights of the Old Republic is, I feel like I, if someone were to make a Knights of the Old Republic movie, They'd be like, you know what this needs? I'm like, nice character-driven scenes that progress the story and promotes character depth. And they'd be like, no, this needs a hallway yeah. scene. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Um, and I was kind of thinking about it. Like, how do you make a hallway scene interesting? Because um, I feel like we've had that with Darth Vader. We had that in Rogue One, Mm -hmm. where Vader just killed everyone. I think that's the best use of it because it heightens the tension of the scene. And then you have that in uh, the Clone Wars, Siege of Mandalore with Maul, and you kind of just see him kind of lose it, I think, and it it was kind of creepy. My goodness. And then you have it with Luke and, like, it kind of that one kind of took me out of it because I was like thinking about what that meant, you know, for the greater Star Wars, yeah. you know. But I was kind of like, how do I make that different? Like, how do I make this like if I did have to do a hallway scene, how do you make it interesting, kind of different, but kind of promotes the story? And I was like, what if on Manon, where like Revan and Bastila. Mm-hmm. They're like the close. I think I think they would be the closest they were, kind of like before the relationship drama and uh, the Leviathan and the reveal and kind of like the fallout of that, like in mm-hmm. Act Two. So I was like, what if it's kind of like a little bit like you get to see two people like in sync, like they're bonded, kind of like Ray and uh, Kylo in the Last Jedi, and like they have a hallway scene and it's like two people not with like the same fighting moves, but complementary fighting moves and like they're fighting together and it's two people having a hallway scene. Like, I think that would be cool. Yeah. I like the idea of having them uh, kind of doing it together because one of the things I think would be important. So we've seen, seen the hallway scenes and I think that uh, you'd mentioned it and I felt, you know, kind of the same way when we saw Luke do it, the hallway scenes kind of like a, like a dark side driven thing, right? Like it's really aggressive. It's, it doesn't seem like something that uh, a Jedi would necessarily be doing after we'd seen Vader do it and uh, Darth Maul do it. But 
you know, I think that you could definitely play around with it and have some uh, sort of a different take on it to to where it's not necessarily looking the same and feeling the same, right? It's not just a uh, box to check off, you know, Star Wars movie, hallway scene, check. Um, so having them do it together would feel different. And uh, if you look at the, the second, you know, sort of act of our story here, we're on Tatooine, we're on Manon, and we're on the Leviathan. So uh, you have kind of your best opportunity for a quote-unquote hallway scene on on probably Manon or the Leviathan. Uh, so I like the idea of having it on Manon because that way it can be, you know, just kind of focused on those two. But I think you could also maybe have it play interesting to have it on the Leviathan. So you could possibly have like Malik sort of, you know, setting up a kind of a trap or, you know, isolating them. They kind of have to work their way through through this hallway to get through each other because he knows that's going to, you know, kind of exhaust them mentally and uh, maybe sort of start to tap into Bastila's uh, kind of wavering uh, commitment to the light side that he can sense at that point. So something like that might be good to use it as part of her turn instead of, you know, just being like, oh, look how yeah. awesome <laughs> these Jedi are you know, it, uh, taking everyone out. Yeah, so it's kind of like maybe... She's a little too keen to commit war crimes, yeah. you know? Like, maybe that's concerning. Like, maybe she needs therapy, you know? And <laughs> so kind of make it a character story thing rather than just be like, wow, pew, pew, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, so those were just some, like, housekeeping things. And we can take a quick break and then we will discuss the legacy of the Sith. Alrighty. Swotor people. Uh, we're kind of trying to get more into the SWOTOR swing of things, you know, like not yeah. just like stay with Knights of the Old Republic. And uh, in the news, um, we saw that Bioware has unveiled Legacy of the Sith, mm -hmm. the next expansion for Star Wars The Old Republic, which will launch during the holiday season of 2021. And I believe we're approaching... Uh, I think it's the 10-year anniversary of the Old Republic, so uh, that will continue throughout 2022. Mm -hmm. So, uh, happy anniversary, the Old Republic. You've always knocked it out of the park with your uh, cinematic trailers. Uh, so, uh, more of what this will include. So, it's like SWOTOR 7.0. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Just kind of skim in this article from uh, Volk.com. Um, so, Bioware marks a new era for Star Wars The Old Republic with Legacy of the Sith expansion for the critically acclaimed MO, MMO RPG. That's hard to say, MMO <laughs> RPG. Yeah. I just say MMO. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's going to like deliver a new storyline have some end game missions mm -hmm. and ha upgrade the character and combat system. 
So, um, I think that sounds cool. And yeah. uh, this expansion will continue to build on the Old Republic's storyline. So it sends players on a military campaign to secure a vital planet for their faction as they uncover the ultimate plan of the renegade Sith, Darth Malgus. Uh, the expansion also features enhancements to SWOTOR's player experience with the new feature uh, combat styles that like expand player options with the, like, it says an array of quality of life upgrades. And yeah, so that'll come out like this holiday season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I think it sounds, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds uh, really interesting. Um uh, you and I haven't really gotten into the SWOTOR game yet, but I think we both kind of are, are interested in it and, you know, trying to, you know, get our feet wet in it a little bit. When this announcement was made, it it felt like at least the kind of the the feedback I was seeing online was that this came, you know, kind of out of nowhere. No one was really expecting it. Um, they thought that, you yeah. know, kind of... Uh, kind of the support and the expansions for it were done after the last one. That one came out uh, back in like October of 2019. Uh, so it'll have been about three years since the last big expansion, which is, uh, you know, quite a long time. But it seems like it's going to kind of wrap that one up, like you said, uh, you know, kind of finishing off the storyline with Darth Malgus. So I don't know if this, you know, kind of will ca- cap off the 10 years, if that's going to to be the end of this, or if there will be more SWOTOR stuff, or if you know, they have uh, something else up their sleeves. Uh, maybe, you know, something new altogether. It's hard to say, but yeah, it sounds really interesting. So I'm excited to see, you yeah. know, what it looks like. And, you know, holiday season of 2021 really isn't that far away. So, yeah, it looks like it's going to feature the new planet Elom, E L O M, not Ilum. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a Star Wars Legends planet. Um, it has uh, some traction in the Disney Stars canon, but it, it's more of a Legends planet, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that'll be cool. And we're gonna return to Manan in in this uh, Legacy of the Sith. So, I think that's pretty cool. And perhaps like things will look a little bit different. But I was like, oh, that's uh, when I saw that they were gonna return to Manan. I was like, oh, we just need to add this section to this episode because yeah. I think people will really dig it. Um, so maybe maybe it won't be as sunny, you know, as it was in Knights of the Old Republic. But yeah, it would be interesting to see a big, you know, large scale battle on Manan. Like I can't even like imagine what that would look like exactly. So that would be fun. Yeah, yeah. So. They're just kind of making uh, the gameplay more fun, kind of adding some stuff. And um, do you think this could be the finale of the Old Republic? Do you think that this will be the grand conclusion? Yeah, I mean, 10 years seems like a long time for, uh, you know, the MMORPG to, you know, carry on. So I don't don't know if this is going to kind of wrap it up or, or not. I guess we'll have to have to wait and see but uh i mean i would i would think probably you know maybe i don't know so uh i don't know let us know if if you think it's going to keep going on after this but i if i were a uh betting person i would uh i would probably say yeah i would think that you know kind of 10 years this this caps off this story and i think probably you know time to kind of put this to rest and maybe 
you know, look at new projects or maybe a new uh, kind of take on SWOTOR or uh, some new sort of system or, uh, you know, something along those lines? Yeah, so uh, new things are happening, and I guess we'll just see what happens, but it looks cool, and we're excited. So uh, let's just take a quick break, and we will dive back into your regularly scheduled Manon content. Hello there, and welcome to the Ebon Hawk Podcast. Uh, today, we are making our way to Manon. So if you've been following along with us as we've been kind of going through our film adaptation and through our stops, we just left Tatooine, and the next stop is the watery planet of Manon. But uh, first things first, Cassia, how are we going to uh, get to Manon? So we found a star map on Tatooine, right? So did that point us in the right direction of Manon, or did we get another tip along the way, or a memory uh, came back to Revan? Uh, what do you th- What do you think? How do we end up getting to uh, Manon? I don't know. With the star maps, I kind of wonder if like they could kind of lead you to, should it be one planet at a time, or should it be like they kind of get the set of the planets, and like they, I don't know, I'd kind of like it to build, like have some artistry, mm-hmm. and like Maybe just seeing, like, they have to kind of deduce what constellations and, like, be like, where is this on the planet? Kind of do some old-fashioned Star Wars, like, kind of archaeology and kind of figure out where things are. Like, do some treasure hunting and, like, maybe each star map kind of builds on the last. And you could kind of have, like, a cool visual, like, in the Ebonhawk um, ship. Like, maybe it's, like, they're kind of building the map like layer by layer and like kind of make it look not Mm, just mm -hmm. like blinking dots, you know, like we've seen in the uh, prequel original and sequel trilogy, but like make it kind of look like a old Renaissance, you know, um, star map. Mm -hmm. I think kind of like the star Wars version of that. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Um, If you played uh, Jedi fallen order when you're on, their ship, they have it's kind of like a hollow table that they have the planets on. Um, so something like that might be uh, more interesting and more interactive than a screen. But I think that the um, star map that we find on Tatooine is going to point us in the right direction. I think for a film that just makes the most sense to not give you know the list of you know you have to go to these four places, but if it directs us to one, then we're not left trying to figure out well, why do we pick to go to one over the other? and right so uh, it just kind of lays that lays that out for us but i think that it would be cool if in addition to say getting the next location we also get some sort of snippet about where the star forge is and that's why we have to go to all of these places so maybe there's uh this is the next location and here's kind of a quarter of i don't know the coordinates or the uh zone in space where you need to go and uh get this thing yeah they need to have enough of the path known so they can have a quest, but then, you know, kind of the ups and downs of the journey like mm-hmm. are, are the story. So I think, like, they kind of just, like, in the game, you kind of, like, occasionally in, in between some of the planets, you have to do that little tutorial. Well, not tutorial, but, like, you kind of do that mini game where you have to shoot Sith fighters. Mm, mm-hmm. I I don't know what would be the most interesting thing to see 
like in a movie, like maybe occasionally you could have some Sith fighters. I think maybe that would make the most sense like in the first movie, but I don't know. How would you build tension kind of like flying planet to planet? I think that there are some locations that sort of uh, lend themselves better to having some sort of like space battle, some war in these stars uh, as you're coming off of them. I don't know that Tatooine really feels that way to me, but I do think that spending some time aboard the Ebonhawk is going to be important for kind of character development and to kind of give, you know, the team a little bit of time to rest and slow the pace of the film down because I, you know, we're going to these locations and there's going to be a lot going on when we're there. So to be able to uh, get some time back on board. And I think that coming off of Tatooine, I think that kind of the mood of the Ebon Hawks starting to come down, right? So the first, after, after you get off of Terrace, the first film's kind of, you know, kind of on like an upward trajectory. And this one's going to start bringing us down a little bit. Uh, so you yeah. have Bastila just, you know, coming off of having this interaction with her mom. I still think that maybe we get some sort of uh, injury or like a separation uh, that we're dealing with coming off of Tatooine. So I think that, you know, our team on board here has just kind of suffered a blow. So it's just kind of a quiet, more somber uh, sort of character building time, you know, a chance to kind of check in on everyone and see what's going on with the team. Yeah. So it, it would be kind of interesting just to kind of like compare film to film, you know, like, because mm-hmm. Terrace, I think like the pe- like the crew would kind of be like, you know, on alert, kind of on edge. Uh, right. But then Dantooine is kind of like a calming place. And then I think Kashik would kind of be a bit more of a positive experience in Terrace and maybe kind of give the crew a little bit of a false sense of like hope and security, which that's part of the hero's journey is kind of like the road of trials. Like the, mm-hmm. the hero kind of like experiences challenges, but then they kind of, you know, succeed. And then they kind of are like, Oh, the whole journey is going to be easy. You know, and then it's like, no, it's not, you know? So Right. And I, and I have think a Leviathan th- about it. And I think that spending time on board is going to be good for, um, any sort of relationship we would get between like Basil and Revan. Um, not necessarily like a romantic type of a thing, but, um, as you know, Revan starting to, figure out little bits and pieces and some of his, you know, training and uh, kind of strength and knowledge of the forces coming back. Uh, you're going to need some time for, you know, Bastila and probably Jolie to kind of, you know, go over that stuff with him yeah. a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, in the Force Unleashed uh, novel, like Starkiller would kind of just work on, um, his lightsaber and spar on the on the ship and I could see a lot mm. of the Jedi just kind of like you have to keep your lightsaber sharp you know your lightsaber right. skills like uh there's a whole lot of Sith out there that you're gonna have to fight so you can't just negotiate your way out of all of these situations so gotta have to learn that and one thing I kind of think they could do is like kind of play up like uh, the dreams, you know, that they have, because it's kind of like they're kind of sharing a, a mind, like a, a place in the force when mm-hmm. like, they're experiencing those star map visions. Right. So you could kind of show that visually, I believe, too. Like, 
get get a little sleeping beauty about it. I don't know. Like I'm just trying to make a fairy tale here, I suppose. So Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that that connection's going to be um important and something that we need to explore in a second film, uh, especially as we get to the end and there's kind of the separation there. So I think that it's really important to kind of hammer home this, you know, kind of bond that they share. I mean, in the game, like, uh, there is a kiss scene that happens on the Ebon Hawk, but I would actually maybe, to negate the kind of um, Han and Leia comparisons, where it's like mm-hmm. they have their first kiss on the Millennium Falcon, like, I'm kind of like, maybe, why don't we have it, like, on a on one of the planets? I, I think it would just be more visually interesting than, like, here's a Durastil wall, you know? <laughs> right. And I don't know, like... I think you would maybe want to kind of make it where like where they're both on equal footing and they're kind of just having a little bit more of a mature conversation rather than like, you look like a Kenrath pup, you know? And right. Yeah. Like just a little bit more, uh, mature dialogue, I would say. And I don't know, like, I think Manon would be a good place for that to for that scene to kind of happen rather than just like uh the Evan Hawk because I'm kind of just like if someone I don't know because like sometimes when I watch Empire Strikes Back like I know Han and Leia love each other mm-hmm. but like maybe for someone watching it nowadays it's like uh Han is kind of like blocking her exit and like <laughs> is she into this? Like, you know, like if you're watching right. it the first time, it's like, maybe that could be, you know, yeah. a little iffy. Well, maybe what, what we need is some high tensions on Manon. So, uh, that's where we're headed next. We get to Manon, uh, and Manon is a big water planet. It's basically like the sunny, happy version of Camino. Like it could literally yeah. just be like on the other side of the planet, right? Like one side gets sun and one side gets, uh, crazy storms and, rain uh but what do you think about seeing manon in a film uh what do you think it's going to look like does it have kind of an aesthetic that you'd want to see or do you have any good film inspirations for what manon's going to look like i think like if you just say camino but it's sunny but it has kind of like a mechanical city like Mm -hmm. that differentiates it from lehan because lehan it's kind of like a little bit of like a ancient temple kind of like on an island you know and it's Mm kind of like uh in some of the concept art you kind of see like there there was some like wrecked ships and stuff in the distance and like I think in some of the concept art like you can kind of see like oil in the distance like a little bit more ruined world but uh Mm -hmm. Lehan in the game is just kind of just more mysterious like I was like oh maybe it'd be fun to go on a vacation there except for like you know like some of the crazy Rakadans, you know, but Manon is like, it's like the surface of like an ocean, you know, it's like on a good day. Mm -hmm. Um, It's sunny and bright and like it has a cool aesthetic, like you don't really see too much of that, like, uh, because Camino, it's always like raining and all that, but here it's like, I would say it's an ideal, but the the surface kind of or the surface is nice, but then when you kind of go deeper, it gets a little bit more uh, scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, so the kind of the big difference between um, in the game Camino 
and Manon is Manon's more open or I guess Camino's more closed in uh, because of the weather. But I think uh, in the film, I think it would be kind of neat to have it have some sort of like themes of like Greece, like Santorini. So lots of like, like blues and whites um, yeah. and, and just a, a little bit more opulent looking. So basically uh, you go to Manon and this kind of floating city only exists because people have to go there to get Colto, right? So the Cellcast, yeah. the native people, they don't need to live up there. Um, so it's just for like making impressions for people coming in. So I, th- I think it would have yeah. kind of some opulence. Obviously, the uh, Cellcath would be uh, pretty wealthy since they're the ones, you know, healing up the entire galaxy because it's the only place you can uh, get this kind of thing. But yeah, I think kind of, yeah, like, uh, like a floating like version of like Santorini, you know, just kind of this island, like I said, you know, blues and whites and uh, just just a little bit uh, adorned with some uh, some fancy stuff, I think would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, maybe it could be like coral chic or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I um I actually uh, had the thought of having like like mosaics like inlaid in these big you know kind of long walkways that are uh, made out of like coral or you know, bones or something like that. So I thought that something like that would be pretty interesting. The cloud city of Kotor, I would mm, say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a really good comparison, actually. So, um, but yeah, so on the on the planet, um, like I just mentioned, they're farming Kolto. So you have basically half of this floating city is Republic, and half of it is Sith, and they're kind of forced to be there, and they're forced to get along because you know they have to be there to get this Kolto and. You know, the Cellcath doesn't want anything running running amok too much. Um, do you have any sort of film inspirations for kind of the way you think that might play out or um, anything in the real world that would kind of mirror that? Or uh, what are your thoughts on that, like how that would kind of feel? Yeah, student of history and just as an observant person, there's a lot of inspiration for, you know, high stakes mm-hmm. and polarity. One of my inspirations for tattooing was Casablanca, but now that I kind of think about it, like mm-hmm. maybe that could be an inspiration for tattooing, but maybe also Manon, maybe just the whole movie could be, you know, sure, inspired yeah. by Casablanca because it's an excellent film. And I think it's it's literally, you know, perfect. But I would say basically the good Cold War films what is the name of the one Cold War film where he's on a plane and then he he accidentally crush it, crashes in Russia with Helen Mirren? Oh, I don't know that one, I don't think. Um, but yeah, basically just any um, Cold War film mm-hmm. uh, and Casablanca. I remember there was a film that I really liked I'm trying to think if this is the last, if this is the one I was thinking of. Helen Mirren's been in a lot of movies, just in case you're wondering. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if it's White Knights. I'm just double checking. Nikolai. Yep, it's White Knights. That's the one I was thinking of. So okay. Thank you for sticking in for five yeah. minutes as I uh, <laughs> look that up. Maybe we'll have to do some editing magic to make it seem seamless. But well, yeah, Helen, that's, Mir- that's what I Helen Mirren is worth the five minute wait. So that's okay. Yeah, she's worth any wait. So yeah, <laughs> that's great. 
Yeah, no, that's that's a good pick. And like you said, any kind of Cold War type of thing, espionage, uh, you know, anything with high tensions. The film that kind of came to mind for me was Argo, um, which is a Ben Affleck uh, movie. And, and that one's just super high tension the entire time because you don't know kind of yeah. who knows what and who's going to get caught. And I think that that's going to be an interesting part um when you see this especially you know with someone like Karth who's a republic soldier and uh he's probably going to be super on edge during this whole time so yeah because like it's high stakes but the cell cats are kind of like we'll sell it to both of them but the the catch is like you have to be neutral on our world so it's mm-hmm. kind of like they're a little bit of a switzerland uh but kind of like making the most of it you know and I don't know I think it could just lead to like kind of raised tensions you don't want to break the neutrality but you want to get ahead so Mm -hmm. and we really haven't seen that much in Star Wars because usually it's just wars you know Mm -hmm. not rather than like there's no cold Star Wars it's just Star Wars (laughs) so right yeah Yeah, hopefully we'll get to see some more of that kind of stuff in the Cassian Andor series when it comes out. Cause I think that that stuff's really interesting and it probably should be a bigger part of some of these stories, you know, kind of some more, uh, information and misinformation and, uh, you know, kind of these high tension, high stakes kind of a thing. But like I said, you know, Karth is there. He's probably agitated. I think that Bastila, um, is probably very nervous. If there's a bunch of Sith people there, uh, they very well could know who she is, uh, who Revan is, um, maybe yeah. even know who Jolie is. So I think that um, it's just going to be really interesting watching the cast of characters kind of navigate this kind of forced neutrality and uh, what that's going to mean for everyone. Uh, because I get, you know, if, you know, Bastila or Revan get kind of seen by the Sith and they recognize them, you know, all they got to do is uh, put in a call to uh, Malak and he's there uh, ready to uh, take out his next planet, right? Yeah, I mean, luckily, I mean, it's kind of written into the story that Revan would just always wear his mask. I mean, that's a little bit not super realistic, but I mean, you know, in The Mandalorian, he basically never took off his helmet, and it was Mm -hmm. a story thing. So I kind of, I don't know, maybe, like, Revan kind of, like, embraced that part of the Mandalorian heritage, which sometimes I'm just like, I wonder if he had a connection, you know, like to the Mandalorian culture. I wonder, do people recognize Bastila on Manon? Because that would actually be kind of interesting because it's like, they're like, oh, she could have a little accident and then like, you know, no more battle meditation, you know, for Mm -hmm. the Republic, you know? So it is interesting that they're kind of on a mission and like, I don't know if she's quite like, a celebrity but like you know right. like in the star wars revenge of the sith like the galaxy would tell tales about anakin and obi-wan like the hero mm. with no fear and the negotiator so right yeah i don't i don't know that would be interesting to know like exactly how much they might know but i, I mean i would i would think that maybe they know about this uh up-and-coming jedi named uh Basila, but uh, maybe not. I don't know, but it it would definitely be interesting to to watch that unfold, and I think that would uh, sort of introduce a new wrinkle to our time on Manon. Yeah, 
would you say it would increase the drama? <laughs> that would be a lot of more drama on Manon for sure if we had that. Yeah. Uh, it could but... be drama and Draman on Manon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But you know who does not want drama on Manon? And that is the Selkath. Now, we've yeah. not ever seen Selkath in live action. Uh, there is a little Selkath bounty hunter guy in the Clone Wars. You can check that out. Uh, but for live action, uh, what are what are Selkath going to going to look like? What are they going to sound like? How are how are these creatures we're getting introduced to uh, going to look and sound? I love the sound of the cell calf. Um, I think in the in the game they should have their own language, but then mm. they should also be able to speak basic kind of with their um, clicks and like the emphasis on the S, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I would want the cell calf to be CGI, but um, knowing like kind of the nostalgic bent, you know, I'm mm-hmm. guessing it would be kind of more practical, but I'm not opposed to practical, but I'm kind of just like, I don't know. Like, I feel like if it looks good, just do CGI. So, Cause I don't know if like the prequels were filmed without CGI, I don't think we would have like, you know, films like the MCU that we have today, you know, mm-hmm. cause people had to kind of pave the way for CGI. But um, what do you think they would look like in some like, yeah, I think I think CGI is probably the way to go. Um, I would I would really like to see like a Selkath, like a uh, puppet animatronic thing. But you're talking about having like a city and having like, you know, Selkath kind of milling around and uh, having different interactions with them. So I think that just doing it CGI, a uh, really high quality one is probably the best way to go there. Um, and yeah, I, I really do like the way that they sound in the game as well um it's kind of guttural and like you said clicks and like these kind of s's but i think maybe you have like maybe he's sort of like our our chaperone for our time on manon and he can or you know he or she can kind of speak basic but it's it's really like super heavily accented um yeah the rest the rest of the cell calf can't so you know uh that one's kind of there to serve as um sort of a uh, uh, what do you call him? A translator for us um, in the scene. We'd also have HK forty seven, who I guess could maybe do some translating. But I think it would be more interesting to uh, have kind of like a broken, uh, basic, heavily accented thing coming from from uh, yeah one of the cell calf. Yeah, maybe HK doesn't know the language, even though I think he would because Revan went to that planet. But maybe like. HK, we need you to be quiet in the interest of, you know, the war effort and neutrality so we can get the culto. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that would be funny. But side note, um, in case you can hear stuff in the background, I kind of forgot that, you know, my my washer makes some noise. No. So I'm like, in case you hear that in the background, that's what that is. I guess <laughs> it goes with the whole aquatic theme. Yeah. machine and aquatic theme we have going on so hopefully that's not distracting but if not just pretend it's a culto you know machine for ambiance i just say it's it's just a manon ambiance uh like one of those white noise machines for for uh star wars sounds that sounds good yeah 
So speaking of ambiance, um, I guess thanks to our patrons on Patreon, uh, they're helping us create um, some KOTOR lo-fi tracks and postcards. And we're going to have uh, postcards for each of the KOTOR planets and um, get your favorite tracks from uh, Knights of the Older Public and lo-fi them. And like it'll be fun to chill to. And maybe we can even... Get some ambiance, you know, uh, as we get more advanced. So, I'm loving the first Lo-Fi track. So I've uh, I've played through that one uh, quite a bit. So I'm excited to see what the uh, next one up sounds like. Yeah, the next one up is uh, is gonna be the Sith slash and our Spire theme. We just wanted to thank our patrons on Patreon for making that possible. Thank you to Minhaz. Thank you, Seymour Dover. Thank you, Lorg. And thank you, Nikki Dog. And if you want to support us on Patreon, the link is in our bio at Ebonhawk Podcast on Instagram. Thank you, all the Patreons. We appreciate your support. Uh, and now, before we head down to the Colto mine, uh, we should probably talk about the Colto. And it is all about the Colto here. Uh, so like I mentioned before, the Republic and the Sith are here to get their Colto supplies. Um, they actually mention Colto in the High Republic novels because yeah. they're just sort of, uh, uh, you know, getting on board with Bacta and moving away from uh, Colto. Uh, but yeah, everyone's everyone's here. They have to kind of be here. Um, so tensions are super high. You know, everyone's kind of waiting for you know, whoever, you know, kind of throws the first punch is going to, you know, be the ones getting in trouble and possibly losing their Colto supply. Uh, what do you think about our team as we're, you know, kind of spending our time up in the, you know, the top level of Manon here? How do they navigate kind of these higher tensions? We've got, you know, Karth there, who's a Republic soldier. We've got some Jedi with us. Um, we don't have any uh, Sith with us, but um, I, what do you think? Is there, are there uh, any sort of uh, character lines or developments or uh, anything in particular you think would be fun or interesting to see happen? Um, I think definitely kind of showcasing that Jolie has connections on Manon is critical to kind of just show that like he has connections and he has a history and a past and he has friends and he was he was a part of the galaxy, you know, like as a mm-hmm. Jedi. And I think he's kind of the the mediator, you know, kind of running into old friends, kind of trying to help out. And then I think, like, the big three you kind of want to focus on are Karth, uh, Bastila, and Revan. Mm-hmm. Kind of, like, just uh, seeing how they align with the Republic and Sith, the war, trust, uh, the Republic and the Jedi and each other. And the Evan Hawk crew, like, yeah, just kind of seeing um, how m- the situation on Manon kind of um, mirrors the characters standing in the galaxy, and like, like there's some duplicity in the Evan Hawk crew, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, this actually might be a good time to get a little action from T three. M4. Um, maybe we get some uh, 
espionage going on with Karth. You can take T3 to uh, you know steal some uh, Sith plans or something like that. So maybe this would be a good time to let T3 uh, off of the Ebon Hawk and have some action because we haven't seen uh, a lot from you know our favorite little droid there. Yeah, and I don't know. Like I kind of play with the idea that uh, T three is Bastila's, you know, but kind of becomes like, you know, part of the whole Ebon Hawk crew, you know. Mm-hmm. And for me, like I think it's just easiest to kind of visualize T three on either Terrace or or Manon, you know, kind of just living his best droid life, you know, as I think we we've, we've kind of said, uh, and. Definitely Jolie has a lot to do in Manon. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Like you said, uh, Jolie does have some stuff to do here. He has some ties to Manon, or at least ties to people on Manon. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just going to be super interesting to just watch the team kind of interact in this in this weird sort of um, environment where yeah, every you know all the like I said, all the tensions are high, but um, yeah, you don't really know what way it's going to go and if there's any opportunity to uh, deal a defeat to the Sith or, um, you know, maybe we get in trouble trying to accomplish that. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be fun to uh, see that kind of play out, I think. Yeah, definitely for sure. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for the uh, top level of Manon. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll head down to the Colto mines and we'll try to find the star map. Right, so we have made it underwater. Um, I don't know. Do we take a kind of submarine kind of thing or an elevator? How how do how do you think we get underwater, Cassia, down to this this Colto uh, uh, mine farm uh, thing? Mm, part of me wants to see like a little. I forget what they call it in Episode One, but kind of like a Knights of the Old Republic version of mm, mm-hmm. what um, Qui Gon. Obi-Wan and Jar Jar used to go through the core. Maybe you could see that, but my guess is it would be kind of just like a an elevator, kind of like maybe like what you see, like how they drill oil in the ocean. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the uh, Gungan uh, Bongo is the name of that uh, submarine in ep- episode one. Um, that would be really fun to have some sort of little like submersible submersible vehicle that we could go down on um i don't know (laughs) but i think i think it's probably just going to be to be an elevator maybe for time constraints although having um maybe it could be like a glass type elevator so we can see like actual like the ocean floor as we're getting down and closer to it that could be kind of cool yeah i mean i think they would want to show the star wars version of them mining for colto or, or it could mirror you know, um, kind of like sometimes like what technology, like the effects it has on nature and mm-hmm. it's not usually a good thing. It's usually, you know, kind of, uh, a, usually always a bad thing for the environment, you know? So maybe they could mm-hmm. kind of showcase that, you know? So. Yeah. And in the game, it does have an adverse reaction to, 
uh, the environment because there's a big giant sea monster there and it has kind of these uh, like sonic wave sonar things that it's sending out and it's making all of the miners uh, go crazy down there, right? So they're almost like uh, zombies kind of down in this underwater level. Uh, what do you think in a film? Do we get like these spooky horror uh, story vibes going on or is it something different or kind of along those lines? What do, what do you think about that? I'm not as interested by spooky horror vibes, like kind of like saying like, oh no, people are going crazy down here. I'm not as interested in that. I'd Mm -hmm. rather be kind of like, kind of be more of like eerie, kind of like, that's a huge shark, you know, but like, kind of the takeaway is like, rather than like, not like where you have to kill the crate dragon, Mm -hmm. but you can just like, kind of let something bigger than you remain and be in awe of it and respect it, you know, I kind of just want a little bit of a mirror there, but um I don't know, maybe more people are kind of into like the kind of the spooky horror story vibe, kind of like inspired by like video games and zombies and uh, I don't Mm -hmm. know, maybe Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't don't know about having them be zombies. I think what could be interesting and then you could still play it up with this big uh, sea creature and sort of the disruption of nature is that maybe this sea creature has you crushed in a part of the mine or, you know, a part of like the access tunnel or something and has trapped some miners there. Um, and it could be, you know, any sort of you know combination of Selkath miners or uh, Republic or Sith. Um, maybe it's interesting if you have a group of, you know, kind of all three of them, you know, are trapped in this thing. And that becomes almost kind of a side quest for some members of the party to uh, go and help and get, you know, get them rescued back up to the surface. That that could work. Huh. That'd be cool to see. Yeah, and that way and that way you're still getting kind of some stuff with the sea creature. You're kind of building tension and it's going to uh lead the underwater area to be really atmospheric, which is kind of what um I see for that particular area. Uh what about you? Do you have any kind of film inspirations or kind of, you know, th- feel or setting for what this underwater uh, mining operation is going to look like? Um, I don't know if I have any specific inspirations, but um, I think just like if the surface is light and Mm kind of airy and dreamlike and magical, like it's kind of like maybe it's because I was recently, you know, like on a vacation, but like the ocean, the farther down you get, you don't have to go that far down it gets cold mm-hmm. you know and like dark you know so kind of just showcasing that like on a on a cinematic scale would be cool and like where the surface is light it could be dark and mm-hmm. rather than airy you know and dreamlike it could be kind of dark and eerie and like kind of like ooh, kind of like but it, like for me like the more interesting thing is uh the tensions of uh, the Republican Sith and like mm-hmm. kind of like seeing if they can get what they need in the right amount of time without like kind of like uh, having a whole lot of the war effort be jeopardized. But maybe like a reason why Malik is able to find them, not just because he's kind of like, I've been to all these places before. I have all the KOTOR, <laughs> you know, postcards, right. you know, that yeah. I collected when I went on a road trip finding 
the star map in the first place is like maybe like it's kind of like the most high profile world they probably went to and like mm-hmm. maybe it's just like they're like that's literally Bastila, and I'm pretty sure that is a Jedi guy who could be Revan. Maybe he's not dead, you know? And yeah, um, yeah that, that's what I think. Yeah, I, th- I think that, yeah, kind of that tension built up on the, you know, the top, the surface level of Manon is is probably more interesting. But I, I do really think that it, it's going to look visually very cool. Um, kind of the film inspiration I drew for for this section of the film is Alien, uh, just because it's it's really atmospheric. It's it's kind of quiet and closed quarters, right? It, it feels very claustrophobic almost. Um, so I think that uh, that sort of uh, feeling is going to be good. And and I think I don't like I said I don't know that I think that they're like you know, they're, they've gone crazy from this thing, but I think that there should be some sort of adversary, something down there that could be causing us a little bit of grief and just, you know, kind of amping up the, you know, the feeling of being, you know, very vulnerable down under, you know, this big, vast ocean. So. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, where would you see the star map like being like, do you think it would be on the ocean floor do you think it was always on the ocean floor? Where would you want to see? What do you want to see? Yeah, so in in the game, if you play it, it's on the it's on the ocean floor, and you get to put on like an awesome like scuba dive, uh, like suit kind of thing. So slow in <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> yeah, and it, and you feel uh, yeah you're gonna run out of air because that thing goes so slow, um, and you run across this you know big uh big fish i guess basically that is kind of blocking the path but i don't know i don't i don't buy that that's where this thing's going to have been uh since ancient times so what i think that there is is i think maybe we have to go out onto the seafloor to get to this place um maybe not in a big full-blown uh scuba suit like you do in the in the game maybe just one of those little uh breathing apparatuses that they use when they are going down into uh gungan city but i think maybe you kind of go across and then there's like an underwater cavern you can kind of get into and come up and then just you know the way that the air pocket is like there's breathable air in there and that's where the star map is that's what i was kind of thinking yeah because if if you have it on the seafloor then uh it's it's tricky to figure out how many characters you would have out there at this thing how you would find it and how you're gonna you know, jot down the things that you're learning but i think having kind of like an underwater cavern would be really cool because then you could um adorn it with some you know ancient yeah. like, you know kind of like cave painting type things or you know different art or maybe like some altars in there um or something like that yeah dressed up a little bit like this might be because I have a Pirates of the Caribbean candle, you know, kind of going right now from uh, Kravchenko Crafted. It's the Caribbean Cove flavor, mm-hmm. kind of smoky, you know, version of the kind of the water, the scent of that ride. But um, I don't know if you're like a big Pirates of the Caribbean fan, but like kind of like the treasure room at the end, mm-hmm. like the ambiance it's kind of spooky but kind of ancient it's cool you know not quite scary but a little like you know you're kind of like it's an adventure you know kind of mm-hmm. like the vibe of that because if it was if it were like the game 
you can't really get a whole lot of detail on an ocean floor with the water. You can't right. really just like send a drone and be like, okay, tell us what you think. You can't really see it that well. So mm -hmm. I think if it's like, what if like Bastila and Revan like have to go in like a Kotor Bongo? Is that what you said it was called? Yeah, it is called the, uh, yeah, the Gungan uh, Bongo. Is yeah, and then the, they kind of, yeah, they kind of go through that, you know, and then they, they kind of like, it's a little bit of like a treasure cave, you know, and they kind of see it and like maybe they could have a little moment there. Like, I don't know. It's, yeah. And like, kind of like, I don't know, maybe. It, it's like the connection between two points is a line and it's like the stars like make a line and like, I don't know. It just reminds me of across the stars. I don't know. So. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I think that that would be good. And I think uh, in terms of storytelling, I think you could probably almost leave like Jolie maybe back on the surface, you're dealing with his side quest and kind of send, you know, Revan and Bastila and, you know, maybe Carth or someone down underneath, maybe uh, Jolie, or maybe you find out from, you know, some of the, you know, Republic people that you're interacting with that, you know, they'd seen this cavern, but they were never able to, you know, to get out to it, you know, far enough or something like that. So, yeah. And I think like Karth, because he's part of the trio, but like Bastion and Revan, they're Jedi. He's not. And like, they literally have like a force bond uh, in the new canon. I guess you could call it like a force dyad. And, mm -hmm. like, so maybe like he's definitely part of the trio. They definitely care about him, but like it could really play on his paranoia because like sometimes like maybe he just feels like he gets like shut out, you know, and like Bastila is kind of lying to him and Revan was literally Revan. And I think, uh, Karth is going to have to overcome his issues with trusting people, you know, that's going to mm -hmm. be his overall arc. So, yeah. And I think like it reaches its high point on Manon and it, it kind of, he's kind of broken, I think on the Leviathan. Yeah. I think, I think maybe that's why I feel like it would be a good idea to have some sort of like trapped uh, minor situation that Karth can sort of take over and, be a good soldier and uh you know help them get out so he has kind of a moment of triumph before we get to the leviathan yeah. um show you know, him helping the republic you know yeah because you know as as you kind of go through the game i mean like you said he's he's basically you know he's more or less one of kind of this uh big trio of the of the characters but he's he's almost always like the third wheel of the characters so um, to yeah. to give him something to do and to be triumphant over, I think would be would be good. Yeah, definitely for sure. Because uh, uh, like I'm like, oh yeah, like Karth does. I feel like he was like so critical, you know, like on the Underspire and on Terrace, you know, mm -hmm. and definitely on Kashik, you know. But um, he could kind of just feel like he was kind of being cut off, even though he's doing important stuff and uh, kind of looking forward to the third film. Like you kind of have to rebuild that, you know? And I mean, as we kind of talk about our overview and getting into the nitty gritty of the third film, like I have a fun idea to kind of showcase that Karth is gonna 
have to learn to trust people and I think it'd be kind of fun. So. Mm -hmm. And I think you could definitely own Manon because I think in the game, it depends on what order you do the, the planets in, but I think that this is about time for Karth to find out that his son is still alive. So, um, you yeah. know, if, if he's dealing with that, but then, you know, is thrust into a situation where he has to, you know, prove himself useful and, you know, save these lives to kind of put that on the back burner for right now. Yeah. I mean, his son, I believe, is force sensitive. So maybe, I don't know, he could be on Manon. That could be interesting. Or maybe it makes more sense that he finds him on Korriban. I'm not opposed to him being on Manon like Dustilo Nassi. Um, mm -hmm. well, I have to double check the name of my fan cast for Dustil. Um, yeah, cause, but... well, because I think I think you just find out that he's on Korriban, and I think maybe you could do that. Maybe um, in some of the uh, espionage stuff, maybe if you're stealing something from the Sith, maybe he sees his son's name on there or something like that. Yeah, and just kind of like he has to find out that his son is alive and um, maybe that like people can be saved like and then like if he can kind of save his son, you know, mm -hmm. he could he could kind of be like, oh, maybe Revan was, you know, redeemed and can become a better person and uh maybe the same could happen with Bastla, you know, maybe people can become better and I can, I can believe in friendship and family and, uh, found family, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely. Um, and that sort of, that sort of leaves us with one, uh, more thing we have to figure out here underneath the, uh, the uh, depths of the sea here. So we've got this giant sea monster in the game that you sort of have to navigate your way past. Uh, what do you think about that in terms of the film? We just had the crate dragon on Tatooine. Is it is it too much too soon to have another uh, large beast? Or uh, do you think you could have it and just deal with it differently? So um, on Tatooine, you basically have to slay this dragon, but maybe there's a uh, more peaceful solution to dealing with this sea creature. Um. I'm I'm for learning in peace, you know, and not killing things all the time. Um, so have have the massive like is it what's it called again? Is it like a massive shark or something? I was gonna call it a Gizka shark, and then I was like, that's not <laughs> it. But <laughs> it's like kind of like a massive like a uh, shark on Manon, and I think like you don't need to kill it, but. I think, like, just kind of be, like, in awe of it and be, like, we don't have to fight it, like, you know? Like, mm -hmm. we just have to respect it. That, that's what I'm for. Are you are you for harpooning the little shark? <laughs> no, and I just looked it up. It's called a Firaxon shark, so... Yeah, okay. Um, um, but, yeah. no, oh. I, I would like to have a more peaceful resolution with that. I actually just... Uh, today before recording this i watched an episode of the rebels and it's the first time we see the uh, space whales and ezra has kind of a moment where he's you know looking into the eyes of one of this thing and they kind of are able to you know feel each other and sense each other i think maybe you could do something along those lines and figure out because in the game it's basically some machinery that's uh tricking this guy up right it's like it's messing up the 
the sonic wavelengths or whatever, and that's what's causing this big creature to get agitated. So uh, maybe you have some sort of thing like that, and maybe you're able to set it free or turn off whatever's causing it, you know, the trouble or uh, something like that. But definitely a peaceful resolution here for for the shark in uh, this part of the film for me. Yeah, and one thing I was kind of thinking of is like maybe for... Manon, maybe the constellation could be space whale or the it could be like named after like a like the Phyraxian shark or something like Mm -hmm. I don't know because like have a little bit of an aquatic theme you know and maybe on Tatooine it could be like crate dragon themed because like dragons are kind of big in the mythology of of Tatooine and uh, maybe on Kashik, it's it's like a tree mm-hmm. or and on Dantooine it could be Alderaan or something I don't know uh, right. what would you what would you kind of want the constellations to be yeah I think that that would be a really interesting take to have it be uh, something that's kind of specific to that planet I think that that would be uh, really cool and I don't I'm trying to think if we've ever really seen like Star Wars constellations um, or anything like that. Um, in the Mortis, I know there's a bunch of artwork and stuff that people have done that kind of will have some kind of constellation themes, but I don't remember seeing anything like super specific. But yeah, that would be really fun to have like, yeah, like this Frax and Shark like as a constellation, um, something like that. That would be that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and also, side note, I forgot to bring this up. Uh, and we'll bring it up again in the future, but, uh, Kit Young would be my, my fan cast for Dustil Onassi. So he's in Shadow oh, okay. Bell, and he is the character who is good with a revolver. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah. So if everyone listening out there would be thinking of your, uh, fan cast for a uh, Dustil for when we... When we get to that one, see if you can uh, come up with some good picks for there. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think Sea Monster, Peaceful Resolution. We found the star map. Um, And yeah, I think that kind of wraps it up for uh, Manon. Um, Before we do, we'd like to thank everyone who has been listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Um, Make sure you get subscribed there. And if you are loving the Ebon Hawk podcast, we'd really appreciate if you... uh, took a few minutes and left us a five-star review um, because that really helps, you know, get the podcast up the charts and do all the iTunes things uh, that, you know, helps us get going and do more cool stuff. So I appreciate everyone who does that. And yeah, that for Manon, I think that kind of wraps it up. Was there anything else that we needed to touch on for Manon? Um, I think like, when it comes to Manon, you kind of just want to have the political situation. Uh, let Jolie kind of have uh, his, I was going to say side quest, but like maybe if he just kind of has to do a trial, maybe Karth could kind of stay behind with him. And then like you get the, the force dyad kind of finding the star map, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like a, maybe you kind of just are like, maybe we did pull that off, you know, like people are like that kind of like Tatooine kind of started off. Like people are like, it's like on a road trip, like Tatooine, you're like, 
yeah, we, we had a good, you know, road trip going on uh, Terrace. It started off shaky. Dantooine, we got some, our calm back, you know, and then, you know, uh, Kashuk was awesome. So Tatooine's going to be more of the same. And then maybe it's kind of like Tatooine is kind of like where the wrench kind of gets thrown into things. And it's like, okay. And then Manon is kind of just like a little bit like, more high stakes and worse but then they think they pull it off and then it's like I think we pulled it off and then it's like then the Leviathan happens you know mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah yeah that's uh gonna be really fun to see and I think uh something else that just came to mind if we happen to have Juhani with us as we're getting to Manon uh that could be interesting too right because you know she had some you know flirtation there with the dark side and to be kind of in this you know, weird environment of the Republic versus uh, Sith, I think would be a good uh, test of, you know, trusting her to be um, in this situation. Yeah, definitely. Because part of me is like keeping her like as like a kind of the contact for the Jedi on Dantooine. Uh, maybe her and Bastila are, are friends and, like, kind of have her be revealed as, like, uh, the Jedi to rescue the Ebon Hawk crew on the Leviathan. But uh, mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know, maybe you could bring her in earlier, but I'm kind of partial to her coming on the Leviathan. Yeah, just a, yeah, just a super interesting part of the the game. It's probably one of my favorite parts of the game to play through, and I think that seeing it on film would be uh, extra awesome, too, so... All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for uh, this episode. And thanks for joining us. And you can find us on Instagram at Ebonhawk Podcast. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. On Patreon, the link is in our Instagram bio, or you can find it at www.patreon.com slash Ebonhawk Podcast. The Ebonhawk can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shoreman at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. Our transition music was composed by Christian Walker at christianwalkermusic.com. This episode of the Evan Hawk Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the Force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.